the story of a boy who dreamed of becoming a man, but dreamed up a monster instead. It has hunted you since the summer of 1994, back when we confessed who we were through mixtapes, when every movie at the video store had dirty heads. You were 13 and thought you knew who you were, only the shadow with too many teeth knew you better. It still does, and it won't stop, not until you come home, back to where it all began. Part cosmic horror, part coming of age story, Dirty Heads is a terrifying read from the author of House of Size, The Fallen Boys, and A Place for Sinners. Out now. Starting Saturday, 11th of September, Season 2 of Author Question Time on Ross Jeffrey's YouTube channel. Join Bram Stoker Award-nominated author Ross Jeffrey alongside co-hosts T.C. Parker and Kev Harrison as they discuss books, writing and creativity with huge names in horror and dark fiction like Josh Malaman and Alan Baxter, alongside some of the most exciting new voices on the indie scene such as Eric LaRocca, Hayley Piper and Laurel Hightower. Come, bring your questions, join in the conversation. Twisted Tainted Tales Splatterpunk Award nominated author Janine Pipe delivers urban legends, supernatural stories and a few surprises. Mixing flash fiction and short tales, you can be sure this book is twisted and perfect for Halloween. Featuring a forward by Glenn Rolfe and gloves from Brian Keane, Hunter Shea and Tim Meyer. Available on Amazon. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for another episode. Just a quick reminder, our friend Michael David Wilson at the This Is Horror podcast is running a writing and editing consultation service. For more information on that, go to michaeldavidwilson.co.uk slash editing. From the host of This Is Horror podcast comes a dark thriller of obsession, paranoia, and voyeurism. After relocating to a small coastal town, Brian discovers a hole that gazes into his neighbor's bedroom. Every night she dances and he peeps. Same song, same time, same wild and mesmerizing dance. But soon Brian suspects he's not the only one watching and she's not the only one being watched. They're watching as the Wicker Man meets Body Double with a splash of Suspiria. They're Watching by Michael David Wilson and Bob Pastorella is available from thisishorror.co.uk, Amazon, and wherever good books are sold. Welcome to Dead Headspace, a part of Silver Shamrock's podcast, a podcast network that includes Killing Time with Silver Shamrock and I'm Burying the Dead, where we exhume classic car paperbacks for the new generation. I'm your host, Patrick R. McDonough. Unfortunately, my co-host, Brian LaFaro, could not make it with us today. He'll be back next week. And today, I am talking with the author and founder of the Read to Me program, Susan Straub. Say hi, Susan. Hi, everyone. And I'm really happy that we get to talk to you today. Um, So thank you for joining me. Um, 
And I'll just dive into it. What got you into reading? Reading? Like reading, general reading? I'm curious where this will go because <laughs> Peter and you are, you got, we talk to all ages, all walks of life throughout literally the world. Um, but you, you and your husband in particular have, you guys seem to have uh, inspirations from authors that I sometimes don't know. Like he was, he listed a mid, uh, was it mid-March, an old Victorian book that I never heard of before. So I have a feeling that you have an interesting answer for that too. Well, I think I've always loved being read to. And I think my earliest memories of shared reading was pretty much my mom or dad would read a bedtime book. And it often was to me and my sister. And um, and then on Sundays, the Milwaukee Journal um, had a green sheet and a sheet of comics. And I remember dad reading those, I you know, every week, every weekend. Um, so reading is, and my both of my parents read books, my father more than my mother, but both of them were avid readers. And I was very good at reading because I had this older sister who taught me how to read, I think, and I picked it up rather quickly out of school, I'm sure. And I ended up just loving books and um, became an English major at the University of Wisconsin and um, uh, managed uh, just to, I mean, reading is what... What else would you do with your free time? I mean, <laughs> honestly, it's and and at bedtime, I just love getting in bed and reading. I mm. just it's just one of life's pleasures. So I I think the natural thing for me when I became a mother was to read with my kids. Mm. And Peter often could make up stories, which I was never really very good at, but I I could sure read. And you have to remember if you you have a little boy of two, um, you know, if you start using a, a funny voice for the monkey, you have to do that same funny voice for that same monkey every time because the kids remember it. Anyway, it's just one of life's pleasures. Yeah, I <laughs> I do silly voices for him. It makes him laugh. It makes it hard, though. I put myself in a corner with that um, because he doesn't take me serious when He's he needs to listen sometimes. So, eh. you know, the, that's that's the downside. But as far as your uh, past with reading goes, um, did your parents have a particular author genre or anything like that that they really gravitate towards? Well, my father loved, um, I think, because he had been in the Navy in World War Two. He loved Herman Wouk and he John le Carre. And I think dad read like Nero Wolf. I mean, you know, it was detective fiction, maybe. Um, uh, but he he read he read um, a variety of books, but I think they were not the classics, like not Victorian fiction, as you said. I, I did read um, Middlemarch yet again mm. uh, during COVID, um, and and my mom. I, I don't remember if she had particularly favorite authors. 
as I say, she didn't read as much as dad. So I don't think oh, okay. she as obsessed. Now I got two suggested books to me from uh, Jill Lansdale. And I was wondering if your dad maybe was interested in me. Oh, wait a Chandler and Dashiell Hammett. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I just finished reading a Raymond Chandler novel. Yeah. Um, what was it called? The, the longest goodbye. Oh yeah. I've heard of that. Well, it is unbelievably great. Just fabulous. I'm new to him. Um, so yeah. I, 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 I think it's been made into a film, um, which I haven't seen in a very long time. If you know, several of them were made into films. Yeah. But it's it's such a specific language, specifically smart, easy writing. Um it's just a deep swallow, you know, it's just so wonderful, just rich stuff. Yeah. Um these at least the two books that I got, the Hammett and Chandler ones, they're not super long, but I am curious um, if you're, if you have an opinion on longer books and how today's generation, I don't mean to really phrase it like that, but for lack of knowing how else to phrase it, um, given that like social media and, and Twitter and all that stuff, like how everything is instantaneous. Do you have an opinion on like how reading itself has evolved over the last few decades? I think I do actually. Um, we're talking about grown-up fiction now. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Not reading and and I don't read a lot of nonfiction, so I'm not very good at <clears throat> excuse me reporting on that. Um, I think I often have three books going. So a long book, um, just I, I, I need a place to come home to every day. So it's um, a nice so way to put that. A long book gives me that, and you know Trollope and Dickens very often, uh, the Victorian writers, you know, would not only uh, remind you of the character. Um, but they would give a little um, title to each chapter. Mm. You would be reminded about the coming of the locomotive to the farmlands in Yorkshire, let's say, or, mm -hmm. you know, something like that. And so you can really fall right back into it. So I, I think real readers read the books that they want to read. And I think new readers may be put off by a very long book. So I think you and Peter might have agreed on that. Um, on the other hand, um, you know, I, I think some of us have read a lot of trilogies or longer. I mean, like, like all those Harry Potter books. I mean, yeah. you added them all together, you know, it's a quarter of a shelf or a half a shelf, right? Yeah, they're huge. The other thing that I think has changed is um, audiobooks. Mm. Um, for the first time ever, I also download audiobooks. And when I take daily walks, I have a story in my ear. Um, okay. Yeah. So, and, and we don't have a car anymore. We, we stopped driving a long time ago. It's New York city. I mean, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> so, 
So, but, but when we had a car and I suppose all of you who do, you know, drive a lot, we would put on often um, um, uh, an audio and all four of us, we have a son and a daughter. When we were driving someplace, we would all listen to a good story. That's cool. Um, Yeah. When, uh, when I first knew that Peter would come on and bring him up because of the auto audio books. Um, I was telling one of my author friends, he's been writing since the eighties. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of him, Ronald Kelly, but uh, he was like, Oh, I listened to Coco on cassette tape when that was on audiobook." And I'm like thinking to myself, that's crazy because I'm listening to it um, on an MP3 file. And it's just, it's really neat because I don't know what the next stage in technology advancements will be, but I mean, books are always going to stay here. I always think it's so weird how people say that people don't read as often anymore. There's so many formats and we're, I think we're in the same camp where we both know that humans are meant and programmed to read and want to tell stories. Absolutely. <laughs> it's bottom line is that uh, if you don't, if you take stories away, what do you got? It's pretty boring life. Um, I would like it if we could talk about one of your books, Reading with Babies. Um, I think it's an adorable cover, by the way. Little baby. Oh, do you? So <laughs> I got okay. it. Well, th- you mean the, the book that I, this one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the reason I mentioned this to you, Patrick, is because my colleague and I, and then um, a children's librarian at the Brooklyn Public Library, worked very hard to make sure that th- this is actually the second edition of this, um, was as up-to-date with, with actual titles. Oh. Um, yeah. So I, you know, although it's a bit dated now, it still is, what do you give to a family, what do you give to a newborn? Um, you know, everybody's going to give the mother and father a copy of Pat the Bunny, but what else is out there for those who don't know? Um, Mm. Tips about eBooks and apps for very young children. Can I, how do I make up a story? Should I make up a story for my child? Um, Who, and then we actually asked what babies, we asked a bunch of babies, families, what are your what are your kids reading? Like I just asked you about the you know what is your little guy reading, and choosing again and again and again because it means something to him. Mm. He has authority over choosing that book, and then the other thing that's in here is uh, a chart dotted throughout. I'll just find it quickly um, where there were ages and stages. So that what, Mm. what do you, what is, what is reading? I think anytime a kid touches a book, it's reading. I mean, I'm, I'm extremely (laughs) (laughs) open-minded, but, 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 you know, getting started, what can the baby do with the, the book, the reading experience at what stage? So we do newborn heads up sitting creeping and crawling, cruising and walking, talking a few words. That's where your little guy is, right? Mm -hmm. He certainly is walking. And then (laughs) talking a few more words. 
uh, running, but not talking anymore, uh, running, and then talking all the time, right? So those are those. That's a sort of a chart, and we we purposely didn't say that you know two to six months. This is what you can do because babies just are like the rest of us. They mm-hmm. They grow and develop at their own rate. Um, some kids are, you know, walking at one. Some aren't walking up until almost their second birthday. They've got something going, but it's not quite walking. So, you know, it, it, I, so that's where that could be a resource. And the other resource would be your children's librarian in your public library. They've got the books. My kids and I used to go once a week. And I think I this follows on from my own childhood and Peter's, where we always went to the library. Always. Same. You could get six books on your library card. Mm-hmm. And there would be summer reading programs. And I, th- and I think the libraries have changed with the times, but for little kids, it still is hands-on for those picture books. Yeah. And I think now that COVID is passing, you know, I think parents are going to be more relaxed. Um, you know, you don't, apparently you don't get COVID-19 from touching surfaces um, and the kids are wearing masks. So it's fine. And the libraries are so wonderful. I have yeah. never met a crabby librarian. I don't know. I just love them. That's amazing. There's so many great points and things you brought up. Um, I know I told you off here, but uh, just for any potential readers. So me and my wife and son, we like to go on bike rides. Philip goes on a seat that's attached to the front part of my bike. I don't like the idea of him behind me. I just, I'd always be looking over my shoulder. So that's just a me thing. But uh, we, we live in a small South Jersey town. It, it really feels like it's, it, it's just like a time capsule of, at least right now, um, a small town feeling and it's great in the libraries within a uh, bike distance. And there's a little shop there and <clears throat> I found oh, this. Great. Thank oh, you for audio listeners, by the way, um, a video version in a audio version, uh, but audio listeners won't be able to see it uh, if they're just listening. So the book I'm holding up is by Susan's daughter, Emma Straub. It is all adults there. Um, is there anything that, you'd want people that readers that aren't currently aware of her or haven't read her books. Uh, what, what do you, what would you like to tell them about her? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> she, I knew she was going to be an artist from the get go. Um, she is, um, She's a lot of fun too. Uh, and um, I, what, what, I mean, she's just sort of a marvelous person. Uh, I had a, a friend um, whom I've had since our two little girls were in pre K together. Wow. And um, so this is, goes back quite a long time. And she said, you know, Emma is one of those rare people who is universally beloved. Oh. 
And, and I kind of think it's true. I mean, she kind of was born this kind of wonderful little person. And I feel quite lucky that I, I got to be her mom. Um, That's so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, she's wonderful. And her writing is witty, fun, um, uh, interesting, full of observations, not at all like her dad's works at all. Um, And I also think it's brave. I mean, you know, a lot of kids, I think, are intimidated by their parents' occupations, but Emma never was. I mean, she just loved that her dad wrote books and her mom ran around the city getting <laughs> others to read with their babies. You know, she was she was all very, very happy with with life, life as a writer and life with books. Um, and then she and her husband, Mike, um, moved to be within uh, easy walk of a very, very old and beloved independent bookstore here in Brooklyn mm. called Book Court. And the Emma worked there uh, for a while anyway, while it was still in operation. And then they decided to call it a day and the owners retired and sold the bookstore property. And that was the end of that. So Emma and Mike said, we can't live without being within walking distance of an independent bookstore. We'll just have to open one. And so they did. It's called books are magic. And all of your, I mean, they, they, they actually have a, a wide and, um, wonderful, um, bookstore that, what I mean by wide is that there are lots of choices. Um, I know that your readers aren't necessarily the the kind of books that I personally choose to read, um, but they have a wonderful children's department. They have a fairly good poetry. They have a wonderful cooking and um, uh, paperbacks and obviously, you know, first run fiction and nonfiction. And it's just a wonderful bookstore. And, and everything that they own and do events for is online, of course. Um, and they, they survive. The community loves them so much that they, 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 they got through COVID, um, even in those dark days when everything was shuttered. Um, so thanks to the readings, there's another answer for you about, you know, do you think people... Do you think books are going to die out? Well, no. <laughs> um, wow. That see, that's so cool. Like talking Peter, talking to you, listening to Emma, you know what? Um, two years ago, whenever Peter was really sick last time and things weren't looking great, I saw a lot of tweets from your daughter and that's the first time I consider this something I read by her. It's weird to phrase it like that because she's an author. But the first thing I read by her was a series of tweets about her dad. And I thought it was the sweetest thing ever because selfishly bringing this up, but as a writer myself, 
when I go, I hope at least one person that likes my stuff is my kid and doesn't even have to like the content. Just I, this is one way I can know my father. And um, yeah, it's just something about you Straubs that I just uh, kind of love. It's like uh, the Lansdale family, the Kings. I don't know any of the Kings, but I've listened to a lot of interviews with Tabitha and Steven and, um, Joe and some of the Owen and it's just you guys are a lovely family so that you're talking about the Brooklyn neighborhood that everyone really likes you guys and it makes sense um speaking of Brooklyn my wife and I took a vacation to New York and the only time I've been to Brooklyn was a few years ago that's a really nice part of New York uh Manhattan makes my anxiety level go to new heights but going to parts of like Brooklyn or um, I forget what the other village was. It's it's not Queens or whatever. Qu- Brooklyn just felt like a small old neighborhood. Um, and that's good to know she has a bookstore there because I'm always looking for bookstores. And I really like that part. Uh, is there anything else about her or maybe even your other kid Ben that you want to bring up before we move on? Well, she um, has another novel coming out in the spring. Oh, this time tomorrow. And it's you'll begin to see some publicity. She is published by Riverhead. And I think they are a magnificent, a magnificent publisher. Mm. Um, They're totally supportive they're smart, their uh, advertising kind of publicity stuff is adorable, very witty, um, playful. So it's a wonderful place for, for her. I'm, 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 I'm happy for them and happy for her that she's there. Um, and our son, Ben, who lives in uh, Los Angeles, mm-hmm. um, has been functioning as Peter's uh, film agent and he has options on almost every single thing that Peter's written now. And some of them get to um, advanced stages of development. But, you know, Hollywood is... Somebody once said to me something like, um, Hollywood has perfected the art of saying no in the slowest possible way. That's so, so annoying. Yeah, I mean, maybe you have experience, too. So they seem to string you along saying this is the next best movie. This is going to be perfect. We can get, you know, top-notch directors and actors. This is perfect for everybody. And then three years later, it's, it's, we're sorry, we're not going to be able to do this. So anyway, Ben works very hard and, um, one day, touch wood, it'll all it'll all pay off. You know, I really think that Coco would make such a crazy uh, HBO series because that's in my opinion. That's the way with a book that long, just that one alone. Never mind the other two. Um, that's the way to go. Like me and my friends that are fans of your husband talk about that, and um, there's so many angles. I like history. I like. I'm really fascinated by war, like parts of war and the Vietnam War in that lens that he painted. It would be super interesting. Um, well, I agree with you. And I think 
you know, from, from your voice to, you know, the producer's ears, <laughs> I think they are actively thinking about that as just as you've described. That'd be great. There are more venues that have opened up, not just the big cinema house movies, but, you know, smaller things on television that's in everybody's home. Um, anyway, thank you. I will pass oh, sure. that along to Ben. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, I would love it if I could talk to you about your first self-published book, The Fire Chief. And um, <laughs> for video viewers, uh, we're going to show you a clip of me and Susan talking with uh, the limited vocabulary that my son has real quick. And for audio listeners, uh, that's the transition that you're about to hear. Do you go to the fire station sometimes? Did you visit a fire fire engine? We did. Mm-hmm. We went to my friend, my coworker, uh, is one of my buddies. He's um he works at a fire department, and he said, "Bring your kid by sometime, and he can ride in the fire truck." So oh. we went around a few blocks, and it was he was nervous at first, and then he settled into himself. <laughs> he was just going crazy. But seeing those pictures of your grandson, Sebastian, look at that. Here's a picture. Do you recognize that as a fire truck? Is that a fire truck? Yeah. It makes that sound. Yeah. So It's hard to know how to write that sound, but I agree with you. It'll be two in a couple of weeks. And, um... It's really cool hearing his speech development, but we got to buy that book. I know that it's your first. We can talk about that later. But uh, actually, he loves looking at fire truck books, like dinosaur books, like colors. That's kind of his thing right now. Wonderful. Wonderful. Totally wonderful. And it only gets better. Um, you know, the, does he have favorite books? You know, that he likes again. Yeah, so right now, because they switch every few months, is this one about colors. And each page, well, one of them has a spinning wheel where it goes from the color and from green, there's a frog, yellow, there's a sun. And then the next page, like in the same, like the same open pages, you could see different things of that color and we're helping them recognize what those are. It's just really neat. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Want to do the introduction? I like colors too. I think today my favorite color might be oatmeal. Yeah. What are you holding? He's holding his dinosaur. Sorry, I can't get the camera to go down. He loves dinosaurs. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And he loves uh, zebras, elephants, and giraffes. Long neck animals he has a thing for. It's really interesting. (laughs) He's on track for being a perfect boy. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's leaving himself. Say bye-bye. Hey, say bye-bye to Susan. Bye. Did you catch this? Bye-bye. Okay. Um, so Susan, I'd love it if I could hear from kind of your own words 
how this came about, how you came about writing the fire chief. Oh, well, (laughs) I have three grandsons um, and they all are just like Philip. They were all dinosaur freaks. They were all (laughs) firefighters at a certain point. Um, And Ben's son, whose name is Sebastian, was the fire chief and Mm. he had all the gear and they lived quite near a local fire station. And so they would visit frequently. And um, one of the favorite firefighters at that particular station was, um, I don't know what they're called exactly, but they're, they're peripatetic. I mean, they kind of fill in, I think, or they're new at one station and then they move on to another one or a different rank or something. And that person who Sebastian seemed to like a lot was this woman firefighter. And so I decided I would write a story. I, I try to write stories for each of the boys and it's, it's, um, (laughs) it's for the boys. I didn't know that I could, you know, I, I haven't yet published uh, my own stories. Uh, I'm still trying. Um, and I'm in a writer's group, all of whom are very encouraging. That's awesome. And Emma and I, this is a little uh, view into the future. She and I together um, wrote, uh, and is, it's being illustrated, a, a story about Gaga. That's me, Gaga. Mm-hmm. And, um, and one granddaughter, whom I don't have, but so it's a it's a story about Gaga and the granddaughter having every Saturday together while the parents go out and do whatever they need to do. And um, the grandmother's really hilarious. I mean, she does she does fun and funny stuff, and the, they have a a nice bond. Anyway, so that so I've been writing these little kid books for my grandsons each birthday and so this one I wrote for Sebastian but I'll just show you really quickly this was at one point um, this is Emma and Mike's younger child whose name is Miles (laughs) and he loved um, doing the lawn you know sorting the laundry yeah his parents and so I wrote him that and these are all (laughs) photographs that I but you know these these photo albums you can make on Shutterfly. You know you can anything, anything. And this is the most recent one I made for River, which is for his eighth birthday. That's and again, cool. They're just, they're just photographs. You know, I just this one is just photographs. But I did write a book for River when he was younger, and he was obsessed with um when we would go to the Museum of Natural History. He was obsessed with a character in one of the dioramas called Okapi. Okapi. Now, what is that Okapi, from? Okapi, Okapi. We, we, if we heard it once, we heard it a million times. <laughs> yeah. And I always forgot where it was in the museum. But anyway, so that was River's story. Mm. And I would love to get these things published, but it, you know, at the moment they're self-published, so that's fine. Um, so that's how I, that's how I did that. Um, you know, you were asking about the fire chief. Yeah. Uh, and I have a very good friend 
who um, teaches children's book illustration at the two art colleges in New York City, Parsons and Pratt. And she introduced me to a wonderful student, Andrea Peretti. And we did this little book together. And I just think the drawings are exceptionally good, don't you? I like them. Um, I actually was going to ask where can people go to buy that book because I actually want to buy a copy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can buy it at um, Books Are Magic. I think they have a few extras. Um, Anyway, it it would be if you don't. Oh, one other little fun thing that Andy did, uh, the illustrator, Mm -hmm. you know, they put in little little things like every page is black and white, but there's the red fire hat. I saw that. And I, I, you know what? I forgot to ask. Why is that? Could I, could I see that again? For the joy of it. I mean, (laughs) I mean, you know, it highlights the child, you know, you, you're the child, you're not reading the words, you're reading the pictures. Well, yeah, my, my eyes attracted to that red. Yeah. Yeah. Mine too. I just I think I, I thought it was genius. I'm just looking. I love that. I took a screenshot of that. That's so cool. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely, I want to buy a copy of that for my boy. He would love that. Um, so like you and I were talking about earlier about when Philip was going in the fire truck, I would like to hear about Sebastian's experience in a fire truck. Cause you have pictures of that on your website. And I mean, how cool is that? Like, how cool is that? Absolutely. It's just, these are, we'll get into this later if you want. My wife, like you, is a social worker and um, opened my mind up to uh, so many incredible things. Um, but it's social workers, firefighters, police officers, um, so forth. They are, they're really important. And you're not going to really learn about them in school and the fact that he got to be surrounded by the people that save lives. I mean, how, <laughs> tell me about that experience. I want to, I want to hear about it. He, he, he loved it. He, I mean, who doesn't love firefighters? Honestly, they're just, right? <laughs> they, they run towards danger, don't they? And they're, yeah. they give us such uh, reassurances and they're fabulous people, I think. Um, anyway, I, Sebastian loved it. And he loved being able to give the firefighters station a copy of the book oh. featuring their fire station. Oh, I guess no I was kidding. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Um, sorry. I, I got lost in this motion picture. I'm on uh for anyone that's listening, reading with babies.com. Uh, one of the things that you can go on is the fire chief. And that is a really neat picture, a series of pictures. Um, it looks like kind of stop motiony where you're holding your book. The fire oh chief. yeah. It's speedy. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what I'm getting distracted by. So um, you know what? <laughs> I would like to actually move to uh move on to read to me the program where you founded it uh what 25 years ago well it was longer ago than that um but it ran for 25 years um one of the significant advantages of being married 
to Peter was that I no longer earned the rent money and the grocery money. Um, and so I was liberated to do this Read to Me project, which came out of a lot of psychoanalytic work and training in child psychotherapy and actually a clinical social work degree from NYU. Mm. And so I see this. I mean, it's interesting that your wife is a social worker. Yeah. Um, I see the Read to Me program as a kind of applied social work or a therapy or mother and baby care um, for the goodness that's in it. You know, it is a shared experience for the mother and the child, the father and the child. Mm -hmm. And it is the closeness, the bonding, the... Um, the shared experience where you can, you know, you turn the page and you say, well, where, where's the broom? I don't see the broom on this page. Do you think they're going to find the broom? <laughs> the child is all set to what's next, you know, what's going to happen even without words, you know? So I think, you know, the, the, the richness that children's picture books provide both parent and child just should not be avoided. Uh, it should be encouraged. And, and, and it's one of the tools of raising children, I think, to put it a kind of a crude way. But it's this, such a deep pleasure um, mm. for, as I say, for both parent and child, you know. Um, so I always had a soft spot in my heart for teen mothers. Mm -hmm who were just at the point of being able to escape the family into some kind of independence and being fully grown up and move on. And then there's this challenge. And um, the New York public school system um, 35 years ago had an excellent program for keeping teen moms in school. And they developed a series of, um, of uh, classrooms, which were kind of daycare classrooms. Um, and so the moms would bring the babies to the daycare, to the classroom, the, um, the life center. And they would then go off to geometry or Spanish or English or history or PE and um, and uh, in the beginning, when I ran it, it was with the um, uh, child development class, social <laughs> social and child development class. And that was great because the moms really could get together and um, they brought in resource materials to give to the moms. And so I brought in the Read to Me program and that was always fun. Um, I had a series of six different sessions, each one of which could attract the attention and the interest of a mom in the group or lots of moms in the group. So there were art projects, there were trips to the library, there were free reading projects, there were making a book for your baby. Um, it was a lot of different things, six different sessions. 
And the very end, I brought in a real live writer illustrator. And we, do, we gave each of the families, the young families, a copy of an autographed book by that person, that author illustrator. And we celebrated with cupcakes and it was, it was fun. It was a lot of fun, as you can imagine. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it, it, we had a good time. That's, that's incredible. It sounds, I mean, you were quite literally being a positive change in many lives. I mean, I love books. I love, even as a kid, my mom would bring me and my siblings to our local library. Um, and we would have summer programs would be my favorite time. You know, um, I'm originally from Massachusetts, so not a fan of the <laughs> I'm not a fan of snow, um, which is why I moved down to South Jersey. But not I realize it's not south enough. We still get snow. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I bring up the library thing because uh, it's a neat tradition. Um, I mean, it goes. I don't know if some people realize this, but libraries go as far back as like ancient Rome. Like it's it's an essential part of how do I word this? It's an essential part of growing and learning and evolving uh as a species i mean it's how we it's how we connect with each other you know um yes i got so many things i want to pull from what you just said but let's let's go back to social work itself because i like to really talk about this for people that don't maybe realize it because i was there before i met my wife and i was back in 2013 we started dating um, and she's always done stuff like that. So it's volunteer time. Uh, when she graduated high school, she was, her parents said we can go to Disney world or we could go to, um, where is it? Oh man. I should know what the country is. I forget where it is. It's right near Mexico, but she volunteered her time there. And that's what she chose to do that. And, uh, that's the type of person she is. And, um, it's just she's opened my eyes up with like mental health awareness, how it's portrayed. And I think it's slowly getting better, but how it's portrayed by like Hollywood. Um, I can't really say independent, the independent side of stuff, because I know a lot of the creators and they're do, they're very aware and trying to do better with it. But it's really important because for me, before I realized that stuff, I would focus on the unknown being scary, which makes me afraid of those people. And those people, by those people, I mean like uh, someone that's suffering with schizophrenia. Like they're not the thing to be afraid of. The diseases, uh, meaning that like that's scary to have any of that. Um, so for as far as social work goes, I'd like to know from you, I hate to kind of put this on you, but like, I'm interested to hear what you think. Um, is there anything about social work in your opinion that more people should maybe be aware of to consider being aware of? Because I know social work is a very vague and broad term, but I, yeah, I'll end with that. Well, I have, I have one answer for you, Patrick, which is, um, that it's important for all of us to have someone to talk with, to talk to, somebody who isn't 
always a member of the family who's got a bias who said, don't you ever talk to me like that? Or those are bad thoughts, you know, to, to be able to, um, to speak to somebody who actually, actually and actively is listening. And that's where I think social work uh, is one of the, you know, um, someone with whom a person can talk and share worries, anxieties, um, uh, various kinds of grievings, um, uh, worries about raising your children, worries because your child is killing small animals in the backyard, you know, which is the genesis of many a mass murderer, it seems. Right. Um, what I was going to bring it back to, because it's more my thing, is I think I mentioned to you that there are a lot of books that, that deal obliquely with things children are worried about. But for example, there's, and this is in a foreign language, and I just wanted to bring that up because it doesn't matter what you read to a baby. Is that, is that German? It's a monkey. And this is, this is a, it's written in, it's written with just pictures. No words at all. I so love that, that illustration. You and the kid are on the same page. Totally. That's awesome. <laughs> that is and, and about animals. I'm just pulling this up there are a lot of in, you know published by uh, american writers and illustrators but this one i just pulled because i found it <laughs> um and it's about this little boy who's totally attached to his monkey and he goes out in the woods and he loses the monkey and the monkey gets taken over by birds and dropped in the river and it's a fine story at the end but you know how it is if a child has lost its beloved stuffy, you know, it's bad news, right, for everybody. So there's, there's that, just, just to say, you know, this one is about various fears. This guy, Max Vilchus, is um, no longer living with us, but his books sure live on. Yeah, Frog and, is Frightened for the audio listeners. Sorry to cut you off. I just want to. Frog is Frightened. This man's work is wonderful, just amazingly good. He's won lots of international prizes during his lifetime. And he came up with Frog. And Frog has very, Frog is a little child and he's afraid of lots of different things, but he's bold and brave and he comes through it in the end. So I love, I love, you know, being afraid of things that go bump in the night. That book is about that. This one's for a slightly older child, but um, again, I just sort of grabbed it. Where the came before this little girl is excited to have uh, her birthdays coming up, and she um, is so looking forward to her dad, who's away on a business trip or something, come back and celebrate and bring her a gift and give her a hug for her birthday, and he gets caught either in, you know, because his work kept him over or the plane that was bad weather. I can't remember exactly. He can't be there on the day. And so she, of course, is very angry and she has a nightmare 
and then daddy returns. I mean, in real life in the book. So again, you know, it's showing a child having genuine emotions. And this again is a little kid being dropped off at daycare or, you know, preschool. And um, he's terrified to be there, but mama left her gloves behind. And so he can sort of hold on to the gloves. He holds on to his mother by holding on to the gloves. So, I mean, there, you know, there are ordinary children, frogs, <laughs> um, who have problems that are solved in children's picture books. That's a, that is so sweet. I love stuff like that. That stuff gets me choked up too. <laughs> um, is it so- you too, Patrick there, you know, that's what, that's what you need. <laughs> and this, this is fun too. Tad Hills happens to be a local Tad wonderful. Hills. Ducks and goose, a gift for goose. Duck and goose. Now duck and goose, you know, they, they have little kid experiences. Um, and whether or not the duck is going to get this box and what is that? I want one too. You know, how do, how do little kids learn to share? Um, and duck and goose, duck and goose. Well, just pick it up and quack. <laughs> right. That, I love talking to parents about that stuff because like, I have a great kid. I'm not saying that cause he's my kid, but like me and Tara try whole, try hard every day to, you know, we don't yell at him and won't believe in all that stuff of like, definitely don't hit your kid or nothing like that. But absolutely. Right. When they, when he's at a playground, because he was born in 2019, November 26, 2019. So COVID COVID just ran rampant and he couldn't play with anyone for like a year or whatever it was. I, I don't know. Time. I don't know what time is anymore, but uh, when he started to, he did good. And it, it, you know, you could tell that he needed it. And um, the only thing is, is he wasn't sure how to share. And me and Tara didn't think about that. He's the only kid right now. So he like took some kid's truck or he starts collecting them. And it's like, he doesn't need all the trucks in the sandbox. Like there's certain playgrounds that have toys. I don't know how common this is anywhere else, but certain parts in this area. There's playgrounds with toys for, you know, public use. And uh, and I have to sit down like, listen, bud, you can't be doing that. And I know he hears and understands everything, but I'm, I'm wondering, like, is he not listening? Because he has security. He wants to play with the toys. But my whole point of bringing this up is I love I love books like that where you teach them things that you might not even think about. But when, until you're a parent. But it's so important. And this oh, may be yeah. this may be a leap, but I think there's something there's some misconnect from that point to adulthood where some adults forget like how important the basics are because there's that that sense of childhood and magic and all that stuff in all those books, like basic ways to live life and and whatnot. It's it's just I kind of wish more adults were like kids at times. <laughs> I'm just curious if you're able to maybe articulate why your calling was with younger mothers and babies. I was in student mental health for a number of years before I did these additional trainings. 
And so I had students from about age 16, 17 through sometimes even 30. Um, And there's a basic need to um, I guess to I guess to have some understanding of of themselves for sure, but that that starts to be the age when you really start thinking hard about what what you did or didn't get as a baby and a small child and um, uh, it's a kind of rich time of life, actually, I think, teen, teen years into your early adult life. And it's, it's full of challenges. And for most of the young moms and families I met, being pregnant wasn't sort of the problem. You know, I mean, it, it, it was an additional challenge, but it wasn't really where some of the difficulties were in their lives. And so to give, to give them for themselves the richness of stories to tell and artwork to look at um, seems just a, a good thing to do. I don't yeah. know. That's, yeah. yeah. That takes this, doesn't it sort of, I mean, we both learn from reading as you and I have mentioned just in with these books that we've just talked about um, and fiction in general, I always, I always think, you know, people say, Oh, you, you don't, what do you learn except storytelling from reading novels? I said, Oh my God, I read novels to find out how you do stuff and how people interact. And yeah, it's a story. And, and we learn more from stories than from, straightforward scientific journals, I think. I mean, anyway, that's beside the point. But but I think we need stories in our lives. You and I have established that from the get-go. Yeah. And we need art in our mm. lives. And yeah. both of them, and, and I haven't talked about music or oh. dance. You know, music and dance. I mean, all of the arts um the sooner we share those things with our children we have more fun too Mm. i mean if you and your wife put on you know felix hernandez of a saturday morning on wbgo i don't know if you listen i do um he you know he does all the oldies but goodies for rhythm and blues and i find myself you know dancing around and the little guys are dancing with me you know (laughs) We um we got so in South Jersey in this area, I'm closer to Atlantic City, uh, about 30 minutes east of that. And we got a station called Wibbage. But um we got Alexa in our house. I got mixed feelings about that. I don't trust the technology, but at the same time, it's so convenient. So those bastards, they, they know how to get you. But um <laughs> what I'm doing is I'm consciously trying to run through as many different genres of music as I can, just to see what he likes. Like yeah, I because of my father having a um, stereo system and always playing typically classic rock, um, which, you know, Led Zeppelin or, or the Beals or any of those. Um, I have a fondness for vinyl. I also collect CDs, too. So uh, I, I kind of like to 
we got some jazz records, we got rock and roll and a bunch of stuff like that. But um, I like to see what Philip likes and I, I like to see just what makes him happy. And he'll start start doing that, bobbing up and down. If like, oh, my God, it cracks me up. Um, I wanted to go back to as much as I love horror, I don't. I like a good story. Like some of my favorites are Alice in Wonderland um, through Looking Glass. Like I love Lewis and Carol. I love The Wizard of Oz, L. Frank Baum, uh, Frank Baum's Wizard of Oz. Um, what else is it? Chronicles of Narnia. I, I mean, I got the whole series. Uh, I love it. Um, and Lord of the Rings. That's a, I absolutely adore that. And the, I think he, I think Tolkien had like 5,000 manuscript pages of that world. Like that guy was, that was his world. And uh, I've learned a lot from him. Yeah. We're talking about different worlds, but like the language, how the syntax of, you know, the, the design of and structure of a, a story itself. Like I love audiobooks, but nothing comes close to paperbacks. And I wanted to talk about this earlier, paperbacks and hardbacks, but especially now with all the free libraries that we got throughout our town, Philip and I really enjoy, and we have to cut back or mom will kill dad because I <laughs> only got so much space. Like I, I got one bookshelf. Our house isn't as big as I would like it to be first world issues. I know, but I want more room for books. And, um, it's just that I got I got uh, uh, in a safely stored away almost most of my Stephen Kings, except for the few that I want to really read that I haven't got to yet. And uh, we go to those free libraries and he freaks out like he loves them and I love him. And he likes to get up, look through them. I hold them up because he's not tall enough yet. So uh, there's one nearest that has bubbles for kids. I mean, how cool is that? Like one of the greatest books that I like is Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451. And that's, I'm not saying it is a hard book, but like the idea of you got to burn books, like that's so scary to me. Like that's, that's a, it's a great way to set up a uh, Nazi Germany. Right. I mean, like they did crap like that. I agree. It's evil. I mean, it's evil. So I want to jump ahead to, Something that only you and very few people, I can only think of you and Tabitha King, uh, you guys are in a very specific camp, meaning you guys are and have always been involved in the world of literature. Your kids have and are involved in that world, the writers as well. Um, and your husbands are two of the most world-renowned writers ever. I'm really wondering from the human perspective from when before he sold Julia because he told us that story uh, about basically and I asked him do you credit your wife for kind of being the one that helped you get through the tough times and he did um, Tabitha King did that with Stephen King with Stephen Carey my wife saved my life I feel like when I first met her because I wanted to always do better so I'm wondering from your point of view how over the last few decades with Peter seeing him develop as a human and as an author I'd like to hear anything that you want to say about that <clears throat> excuse me anything at all that you want to say about kind of your experience with seeing your husband reach the goals that he he's dreamed of reaching 
Well, after 55 years, I'm still learning. <laughs> um, he has always been knowledgeable, witty. He can listen to Paul Desmond and he can tell you which phrases are the most important for you to take note of. At the same time, he's reading a novel. At the same time, <laughs> he's writing a paper or putting down an idea somewhere and um, multitask. There oh, we are. Yeah. <laughs> there we are, Patrick. He can multitask. <laughs> He's an extremely generous man. Um, he, uh, he, he, he's likable and yeah. <laughs> friendly and has had all kinds of friendships um, and experiences of meeting interesting people from all walks of life. So he's, um, he's, he's a wonderful man. He's a wonderful man and very self-directed. So I insisted on family dinners every night so he would work in the mornings or in the afternoons. He would break for dinner and bedtime reading. And then he would go back to his office and work some more. He worked very, very hard. Um, you, you have to, if you're writing books of that dynamic and length, um, you just have to go there and do it. So he did that. He did that. And, and I also think... Um, I am not sure if Tabitha King and I would agree on every single thing we have <laughs> dealt with, with our spouses, but I do know that we have been more in charge of the family and the household. Um, Tabby was, you know, has written several novels and she raised three children and um, a big house and a, an ever growing empire Um of of her husband's uh, life, um, and I, you know, sits on the board of the foundation. I mean, she, you know, she's 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 in charge, and I think I, in many ways, have had a similar experience of being in charge of many of the deci major decisions and the daily, you know, what's for lunch kind of thing. I was going to ask if you guys still talk with the Kings, if you're still friends with them. Oh, we are. Oh, indeed. Yeah, we know their sons and their daughter. Um, it's because, you know, over time, if you're not working on a project together, if you don't live near one another, uh, the relationships uh, suffer a bit. But we're all very in touch and fond, mutually fond. And Emma is very much in touch with... Um, Owen in particular. Oh. And yeah. And a um, couple of times she has gone to his neighborhood independent store to do a reading and he and his wife show up and um, we get Christmas cards. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, we've been very, very, very lucky to know that in that entire family. Yeah. Like I said earlier, you guys all seem like just, Generally good people. Um, so I'm going to wrap up with listeners. If you want to go to check out some 
Dead Headspace merch. Check out some reviews, uh, articles written by previous guests. All you got to go is to, uh, all you have to go to is deadheadspace.com. And I just want to ask final, final question is, do you have any final thoughts? That was a weird way to phrase that. Do you have any final, sorry, I got a little guy that insisted on coming in. Hi, Philip. Can you say goodbye? Can you say goodbye? Bye. We just wanted to know if you had any final thoughts, Susan. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. He's very grabby and very talkative. Can you do a thumbs up, Philip? Thumbs up. Thumbs up. We're not there yet. It does give high fives. Mommy, can you take little man? Thank you. Gorgeous. Thank you. I was just asking if you have any final thoughts before we say goodbye to each other. Oh, dear. I don't know. One, I was going to mention just one thing because of um, the uh, pandemic, we've all, those of us who survived have survived. And this is kind of, this is a brand new picture book by a wonderful, wonderful illustrator, Brian Floca. And it's a kind of love letter to the people who were out while we were all stuck in our houses and in our apartments. So it's not just the firemen and the delivery and the sanitation workers and the police. It's the, the guys on bikes. It's the bus drivers. It's um, the Con Ed here in New York. Um, It's um, the mailman, the FedEx delivery person, you know, and it's, the, the illustrations are just wonderful because he's an excellent man with a, an ink pen and whatever these, these pictures are sometimes. And it's just a sweet new picture book where there's, um, there's hope. And, and all of us, I think, do feel a deep gratitude to not just the hospital workers, not just the ambulance drivers, um, not just the firemen and police to keep us safe, but the the delivery guys yeah. and women. And so, I mean, if I, I hope parents got through a lot of the um, the, the enforced uh sequestration um with with some fun and that books were part of that to share aloud to tell maybe tell an ongoing story i don't know but but just to encourage people to use books enjoy books (laughs) that's That's it That's amazing. Yeah, my final thoughts are real simple, short and sweet, is I appreciate your time. It means a lot to me, and um, I love talking about kids and reading. So it's really awesome having uh, you on for so many reasons. So thank you. Thank you for this, Susan. Thank you for inviting me, Patrick. All the best to you and your wife and Philip. Going to be ordering two copies of The Fire Chief when we're done talking. One for me (laughs) and one for my um, nephew that just turned one the other week. So I, I can't wait to give that to her for oh, a Christmas you. gift. Yeah. Um, listeners, next episode, episode 126, is with Christopher Golden. That airs next Monday. And as usual, you have many choices in podcasts. Thank you for picking us. 
Deadhead space. I, I did watch that video. It was a short clip. It was you got you and uh, Emma in a library, and it seemed like a lot of fun. Do you guys have a lot of recordings of uh, your Read to Me program? I have a video that is absolutely fabulous. Um, Where's that at? It, it's on D- <clears throat> on DVD. I didn't know if there would be time to even mention the Read to Me program, but I spent an awful lot of energy. I, does that read forwards or backwards? No, it's forwards. Probably back in reverse for you. I don't know why it, it does that. It is. Anyway, we we did it in English and in Spanish voiceover. Oh wow! It's um, video about the Read to Me program with teen moms and. <clears throat> we had a lot of fun with it and we actually won a little prize for it too. Wow. And I think, you know, I have quite a lot of them. And if anybody is interested, if they got to my through, got to me through the reading with babies.com website, um, I would send them that it's because if they, if you want, if you have families for whom reading with a baby is a wild idea. It helps to show other normal moms and babies and families reading with their babies. Um, as you may or may not know, some parents say, well, the kid doesn't understand anything. Yeah. So what's the point of reading to him? Well, that's the point <laughs> that the kid understands absolutely everything and get, gets not only the closeness with the parent, um, but also the vocabulary, stories, mm. um, information, colors, you know, 